Hey, um, I hope Adam Boyle was great last week and you all enjoyed him. He'll be back in April. If you weren't here last week, he was our communicator last week, a dude with a really cool Irish accent. And so look for him again, April 10th, I believe the date is, um, that second Sunday in April. But today, and for the next five weeks, we are going to talk about this idea of taking a walk. Now, if you just see that and hear that, you might not know what that means or have perspective for what this phrase actually means. So let me kind of give you some perspective for it. We are going to take a look at people, physical human beings who walked alongside Jesus when he was here on earth. We are going to take a look at what actual eyewitnesses had to say about Jesus and who he was and what he did and how he interacted with people and miracles that he performed. And so it is going to be a really exciting time for us to look at what those actually recorded documents had to say about Jesus, who we believe is the Messiah, that person who came to make things right between us and God. And we're going to talk about that today. But before I start, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever taken a walk with somebody? Like when I was dating Caitlin, like we take, we took walks a lot. I don't know if you guys ever did that. If you were in a dating relationship or maybe you're married and you still take walks. Of course, now once we're married, we take no walks, but because that's what happens. Once you get married, you just don't do it. But on those walks, when we were like first dating, it was one of those things that we did so we could just get to know each other better, right? We would find out information about each other. We would talk with each other. We would kind of go deeper related to certain topics. And these people who walked alongside Jesus, I can only imagine as they interacted with him and walked alongside him, that these were those experiences that they got to see that really gave them insight and perspective into the life of Jesus and who he was and what he came here to do. Now today, we're actually going to talk about Mary and Joseph, who were said to be Jesus's earthly parents, the earthly parents of Jesus during his time on earth, those two people, Mary and Joseph. But before we kind of dive into that, I just want to give you a heads up, and I just want to give you kind of an overview and a disclaimer related to this message series. There's going to be a lot of questions there's going to be a lot of history. There's going to be a lot of theology. There's going to be a lot of debate. We're not going to have all of the answers to every single question. And here's what I love about that. That's okay. That's why Downtown Harbor Church exists, so that we can chew on topics and wrestle on topics together, that we understand what the core is, but these things that are kind of out there that are open for debate and questions and discussions and dialogue, we create the environment where we can have those kind of conversations, which is really, really why we're here and what we want to do. So today, I just want to talk about this idea as we begin of this, miracles. Now, I want to land on this for a second because miracles are something that are impossible. Really, when you think about miracles, they are these things that shouldn't happen and really can't happen. It's this idea that this event that occurs, this possibility of something occurring, should not actually be allowed to occur. Miracles are actually, when they happen, the impossible becoming possible. These things that can't happen actually do happen. And I don't know whether you believe in miracles or not. I don't know whether you have seen them happen in your own life or if you believe historically that they've happened in ancient scripture or not. I'll tell you personally that I do. I believe that miracles have happened and I believe that miracles can happen. And so what we're going to kind of do today is we're going to start with miracles. We're going to give some historical context for miracles. And then we're going to kind of end with miracles and what it looks like today in the modern era. 
So stay with me as we kind of dive through this entire message today about Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, those who walked alongside of him and raised him and what their perspective was of his life. Because this series is all about Jesus. The next five weeks are going to be all about him and what people who walked with him said about him, as I've already stated. Because there's a lot of opinions about Jesus out there. Was he a liar? Was he a prophet? Was he the son of God? Was he the Messiah? And we're going to talk about that in depth for the next five weeks. But as we open today, let's dive in to talk about a miracle that happened. And the miracle that we're going to talk about is Jesus coming to earth and his birth. So, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, and let me stop, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. Now, I know for many of us in this room, those of us who've been around church for a long time, this is the Christmas story, and we're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 2 in just a second. But for many of us who have been around church for a long time, this is just kind of what it is. We've heard this, we've done this, we've learned this for years, we revisit this every year at Christmas time. This is just status quo. But if you're new here, or if you don't have any history with Christianity, or if you're not a follower of Jesus and you don't really necessarily get this, this idea of a virgin, someone who is not engaged in sexual activity, becoming pregnant is like, what? That is completely out there and I can't understand that. I don't necessarily get it. Are you nuts? That's not physically possible. But this is what it says. Don't miss this. She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hold on. Now, if you don't get this, and if this is not something that you can actually understand and comprehend yet, that's okay. This is why we're at Downtown Harbor. We want everybody in the room kind of picking this apart together. But here's what I will tell you. This is a miracle. This is something that I cannot explain. This is something that if you were to seriously look at the depth of this, it cannot be explained by human words. That's why it's a miracle. It is the impossible becoming possible. And the scripture states that Jesus, the Messiah, and I'm going to talk about this word in detail in just a little bit, happened to become to the earth from Mary, his mother, who was a virgin, became pregnant, and then Jesus was born. Pick it up in Luke chapter 2. And while they were there, meaning while she was ready to give birth, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them in the inn. Now, you probably know if you've heard that and you've watched Peanuts Christmas for however long that you've watched Peanuts. Who's watched the Peanuts Christmas special, right? Oh, it's brutal, isn't it? Okay, but anyway, here's the deal. You know this and you know there's more to this story. We're going to pick that up. Um, as things go on in downtown harbor as we get closer to Christmas time and the holidays. But I'm going to kind of stop there today. And I want to go back just one slide for a second. And I want to land on this word, Messiah. What does that word mean and why is it so important? Jesus the Messiah was born. A historical account from a real person talking about how the Messiah was born. Now, the Messiah is this person 
who would come to earth to be born, and if we chose to believe in this person and say yes, kind of put our feet in the sand, firmly down and pivot our lives and say, yes, I believe there. Now I'm going to pivot my life and go this direction and love my neighbor as myself. That if we did that, this Messiah was sent to earth to make things right between human beings and God. Because all these thousands and thousands of years ago, what happened during creation, the creation of humans, us, is that evil entered the world. This idea, this S word, sin, meaning that we did things that we were supposed to not do, manifested into evil, came into the world, and the only way we'd get back to God was through this Messiah. And what these writers are claiming is that Jesus the Messiah was born to these two people, Mary and Joseph. Okay, And for thousands of years, for millenniums, hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years, People had prophesied how this would happen. I told you this was going to be deep today, and I haven't even taken a breath, right? Okay? Here's the, I told you how this, people would predict, they would like, think that they were close to God and could understand the future, or God had given them a vision. Like, they could prophesize how this would happen. And this was not just like religious people. They were historians and scholars and people from different lands who had heard this, and there were uh, histo- um, re- religious leaders who had prophesied about the coming of this Messiah. Meaning, when they saw that Jesus had finally come like they were ready for this like they were like this is something we've been waiting on for a long time okay now let me tell you this is a big historical thing and this is like debated and like picked apart let me tell you about one of the prophecies about that was said about how jesus or the messiah would come to earth okay and it was about this it was lineage one of the prophecies said that jesus the messiah would come from the lineage of a certain family Now, I know this is a lot of history. The prophecy said that Jesus would come from the lineage of a guy named David. Now, David, even if you've not been around church and you don't know who David is, I'll tell you because you probably heard this story. David was a guy, the guy who killed the giant Goliath as a shepherd boy. He was the king of ancient Israel long before Jesus was born. And the prophecy said that Jesus the Messiah would come from the lineage of King David. Now, allow me to digress for a second. Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, was from the lineage of King David. There's a lot of misconception that it was Jesus' mother, Mary, but further research, and we have done our homework on this, has led us to the understanding that Jesus' father, Joseph, was actually from the lineage of King David. And furthermore, in ancient Jewish history, When the mother marries the father, she actually becomes a part of the lineage of the family. She's actually tied into it. Therefore, Mary, Jesus' mother, would also be part of the lineage of King David. Everybody with me? Everybody tracking? There's a big whole history here about how King David, according to prophecy, the Messiah would come from his lineage, and Jesus came from his lineage. Now, Let me tell you about the ancient Jewish people. They were, remember I told you about we struggled with obsession a couple of weeks ago and that was not a good thing, right? Well, they were obsessed with lineage. Like they wrote like entire like chapters like in the ancient scripture that are just like names. And like if you've ever read through them, you're like, dear goodness, this is like brutal to read. But like they were obsessed with it. 
If Ancestry.com existed in the you know thousands of years ago, like they would like the be they would be like the board of directors, right? They'd be all like Jewish people because they loved it. They loved to learn about it. Just so you know, if you ever get a chance to chat with our executive director back there, John, who by the way, I just got to tell you, side note a little bit. I uh, saw our, we were in the morning, we just pray for the morning in the church service, and our executive director, I looked over as we were about to pray, and I said, well, we're waiting for him. He was taking a selfie with the uh, ape in the Jungle Book ad downstairs. That's real good. I said, there he is, folks. Anyway, why I tell you about him is because he was obsessed with Ancestry.com at one point. There's so much to say in it about there. But the Jewish people were obsessed with lineage. They were obsessed with this information, and Jesus the Messiah came from the lineage of King David, just as the prophecy said, came true. Now, here's what I want to go into. Because the ancient scripture has very, very little to say about Mary and Joseph. Very little is said about Jesus' parents. In fact, as we go throughout this series, more is said about every other person that I'm going to talk about than Mary and Joseph, which is why I wanted to so passionately discuss them and their perspective. But there's actually very little said about them. There's a couple of instances you see Jesus' mother, but Jesus' father is mentioned very rarely. But there's one story that gives us some perspective into their lives. There's one story that gives us some perspective into who they are and what they saw their son doing. So let's pick it up. In Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 51, this is a little bit lengthy, so stay with me. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. The Passover festival was simply a celebration of the ancient Jewish culture. They celebrated this idea of Passover. That's another story for another time. But when Jesus was 12 years old, have you ever known a middle schooler, right? Have you ever interacted with someone who is 12? Like, you might lose your minds, right? Now, some are very, like, good and well-behaved, but middle schoolers are, like, it's that phase of life, like, you never want to go back to, right? Because, like, everything's changing, and, like, uh, it's just not good, okay? And so, when Jesus was 12 years old, don't miss this, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. They started home to Nazareth, and Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Do you know what this means? Allow me to tell you what this means. They lost him, okay? They left him behind. This was not a good thing. Like, and furthermore, we're going to find out they left him behind for three days, right? They went, and it was three days before they kind of noticed that this was going on. You would be cuffed and stuffed so fast in this day and age, right? Someone would be at your door if this was happening. They lost him. It says his parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him amongst their relatives and friends. You know what this means? They're normal. It means they're normal. Because most of us, those of us who are parents, have probably had an incident where you left your son or daughter in the grocery store or you misplaced them or didn't pick somebody up when they were supposed to be picked up. And it just gives us perspective into how actually normal these people were. They weren't overly spiritual beings. They weren't religious scholars of the time or people who claimed to be something that they weren't. They were normal. 
When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, it took them to find this kid. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the where? The temple. A old Jewish place of worship. An ancient Jewish place, Jewish place of worship. And here's what he was doing. Sitting amongst the religious teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding at, and, or at, and his answers. Imagine yourself a middle school where there is a kid who is even considered to be a bright kid. And all of the teachers are kind of huddled around this student, taking instructions and learning about life and spiritual things from this 12-year-old. I don't, I don't know that I would listen, right? So imagine how miraculous this is. But here is the point about this entire story in which you don't need to miss. Just zone into this because it's so important. His parents didn't know what to think. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. Listen to Jesus. Listen to his reply. But why did you search? He asked. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Mary and Joseph, these two people who were chosen for this miraculous task, these two people who were chosen to do the most miraculous thing in human history that has transformed everything about history and culture as we know it today, not even they understood what he meant. Not even his parents understood everything. Not even his parents understood everything. They didn't even get it. They were just like us. And they were trying to understand and comprehend this and kind of like digest all this stuff. But I'll tell you something. Not even his parents understood all about this. But it goes on. And he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Here's what I want you to know. Related to Mary and Joseph and who they were, I want you to learn something from the passage that we just went through. Because they said to him, I don't, why are you doing this? Why are you here? Why aren't you with us? And they didn't understand everything. The scripture's clear. They didn't understand everything. You're never going to understand everything either. And for so many of us, we try to understand it all. We try to grasp every aspect of God and who he is and the ancient text. We try to understand something that's almost ununderstandable. We try to grasp this big creator of the universe that we call God, who we kind of envision or have been taught is just some guy with a beard sitting on a cloud. But God is this being, this thing that is so big, that bigger than we could ever grasp or imagine, bigger than we could ever understand or comprehend, bigger than we could ever get. The only thing we know is what Jesus did here on earth to reveal himself to us as the Messiah. And he said, go love your neighbor as yourself. So if they don't understand everything, if the people of the time who were the chosen people for this miracle didn't understand everything, how are you going to get it before it's time to cross the line of faith or before it's time to engage with a local church? You're never going to get everything. I don't get everything. I'm so far from it. But so many of us wait and we hold on and we go, no, I'm not going to engage. And I understand why. 
because the church has been messed up for a long time. We're trying to right the path here at Downtown Harbor. But we'll tell you, we'll be the first to tell you, you're never going to understand everything, and neither do we, which is why it's so important for us to come in and engage and dialogue and talk together. We're never going to understand it all. But I want to go back to Mary and Joseph for a second, and I want to put two traits up on the screen that I think describe them as people, and then I'm going to add a third one. I feel like they're normal. I feel like they were everyday, average, run-of-the-mill people, people who were out to do good, but were nothing necessarily special. They were just people who loved. You could tell that they loved their son. They went back for him. And it wasn't like this day and age where you could locate a kid and find my iPhone. Like, that wasn't it. Like, they had to go back and, like, search him out. They loved him. This is what they also were. They were faithful. They were faithful to their God who gave them an unimaginable task, a miraculous task. They were faithful to each other and faithful to their son until he took his final breath. They were normal. They were faithful and they loved. You know who else this reminds me of? People at Downtown Harbor Church. People who are normal. People who understand what it means to be in and of their community. People who want to engage with others, especially those who are different, who might not be exactly like them. People who are faithful to God and their church and people who are here and people who aren't here yet. And above all else, the number one characteristic that I've seen, because we are six months old today. How cool is that, right? Six months today. I have seen, oh, that's exciting, yeah. Well, I'm preaching, getting applause in here, right? Here's what the, but they love. They understand what love means. This, these characteristics that I see in Mary and Joseph are the characteristics I see in us. So let's, let's start again where we began, with miracles. Let's start talking about this thing again. Because I believe firmly that miracles today, they don't happen like they did all those years ago. Miracles back then of the sick being healed and water turned into wine and a miraculous birth of a Messiah was all completed all those years ago. Those days are done. That is in the past. Now we're on to something new. Miracles in this day and age look different than they did back then, but I will tell you from the bottom of every fiber of who I am, I believe they still happen. And I know this. If God 2,000 years ago, some odd, chose a couple of people that we call Mary and Joseph to do one of the most miraculous things in human history, and some of the traits that they possess is that they're faithful, they're loving, and they're normal, I believe that God just might choose you to do miraculous things too. Because you're like them. We're all like them. God just might choose you to do miraculous things. Whoa! Adam... Are you saying there could be another virgin birth and it could be me? No. Did not make that claim. Because I've said to you, I think those days are gone. I think that has been fulfilled. That is done. So then, what miraculous things can you do? What miraculous things could you do in your life that God could do through you? There is one thing in your life that you have that no one else has. There is one thing that you possess in your life that no one else has the ability to have and maintain like you do. 
There is one thing that you possess that is so important and so big, and if you use this, you could actually help transform your community around you, the lives of others around you, and it might even transform your own life once you see how it impacts people, once you use the only thing that you have that is unique to you and specific to you that God just might use to do miraculous things in you and around you, and it's this. It's your story. No one has the story that you have. No one. No one has the story that I have. We all have a history. We all have a past. We all have things that have happened to us, good, bad, indifferent. But think about it in this way, from this perspective, maybe for the first time ever. What if your story could be used to change someone else's life? What if your story, call it good, call it bad, call it powerful, call it whatever you will, could be used to change someone else's life? And I'm not saying that your story is going to be on the cover of a magazine and that's going to impact somebody. I'm not saying that your story is going to be used on some front page of a newspaper. I'm not saying that your story is going to be broadcasted and you're going to have an interview on 60 Minutes, even though it might be powerful enough that it might. But what if your story just needed to be told one-on-one sitting across from somebody having a cup of coffee or going out to dinner or happy hour where you can just hang and say, let me tell you about what's going on in my life. Maybe you have recovered from addiction and maybe it was serious and someone else in your life needs to hear your story. It might save their life. Maybe you went in a marriage or a relationship that's split apart and has been restored and you know somebody, maybe they're younger, maybe they're the same age, and they're dealing with the same thing, and maybe you need to invest in them and need to help them right where they're at. Maybe, maybe you're divorced, and those were unfortunate circumstances, and we're going to talk about that soon. Maybe you were divorced, and you know somebody who's just been through it, and they need help too. Maybe you were a business person, and you fell on hard luck and you came back around, or maybe you've been successful and you know somebody who started a business or a company or an adventure and they're down on their luck. Maybe you need to go meet with them and interact with them. And maybe, just maybe, your story is the modern day miracle that God will use to transform the world around you. Maybe your story can actually be used to change someone else's life. You're not going to do the kind of miracle that Mary and Joseph were chosen to do. That's okay. Not going to happen long ago. But you have this. And it's so unique to you. You're the only one who has it. And it might save someone else's entire life. God just might choose you to do miraculous things. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe you've actually engaged with someone before and you've told your story. I know some of us already have. And you have someone come back to you and they say, you know what? Had I not heard that story and had you not invested in me, I would not be where I am today. And do you know, even though someone else's life might be changed by that miraculous thing. It's wisest 
to invest bigger in someone else's life because there's simply so much for you to gain. And we don't get into it trying to help someone else because we think there's something for us to gain. But at the end of the day, when you do that, you get so much out of it, you would never even imagine. It's Mary and Joseph with an ancient miracle walked alongside Jesus, were normal, were faithful, they loved. They didn't understand everything, but they were chosen to be a part of this miraculous thing that happened. And you could be a part of miraculous things today too. Tell your story. Say it loud. Say it bold. Because someone else's life just might benefit from it. That, that is a modern day miracle. Allow me to pray for us. Dear God, thanks so much for who you are and what you do in our lives. And thank you for the historical account of Mary and Joseph and their story and what they had to say and what they did. And God, we just tell you today that we love you. And we don't, we're not going to understand everything. We don't want that to hold us back. We want to cross the line of faith and we want to get engaged with the local church. And we want to love our neighbor as ourself. And we want to do that because... You tell us to, above all else. Thanks so much for every single thing that's going on at Downtown Harbor Church. Lives are being impacted and changed, and I'm so thankful that you put this vision on our heart just six months ago that we started. God, we thank you and give you praise for it today. We love you. We pray all these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.